0: Hello and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I'm very tired of the internet now, I think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh my name is Luke Bailey, and I am I mean it also out of the internet, but I feel like I'm tired of everything now, which is it. Like the internet is just the way I access the world because of lockdown three that we're in now. Uh which means yeah, that's just the window on the world, and, and that means that i think i'm more tired of, yeah i'm more tired of the world than i am of uh the internet <laughs> sorry all right, that was let's get terrible.
0: the sh- let, let, let's get the show started all right i'm n- i'm nice and warmed up now <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, welcome, welcome to the Content Minds. Uh, this week, we're gonna be, we're basically just gonna be continuing to follow um, what we dubbed as Content Hell last week. Um, we are still very much in a very precarious moment where we're not quite sure what is gonna happen next when it comes to Trump supporters trying to overthrow the U.S. government, um, and it felt kind of strange to try to try to ignore that for a different episode this week, um, and there's also been a ton of developments. So we're going to get into all that, but before we do that, there's something very important we need to talk about, which is, Luke, can you please explain what's going on with the man in the English countryside who has illegally turned his house into a Japanese restaurant?
1: Okay, well, I mean, it's not it is it's not the english countryside.
0: For those who don't know what I'm talking about, there was a viral tweet this week from a reporter named Mike Bird and it had screenshots uh d- documenting the ongoing saga over this british guy who um has been running a bootleg japanese restaurant out of his home and uh I need to know more about this. Okay, so so the 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 story of this
1: is is that a man in Norwich which is not a it's not particularly the English countryside, but it's certainly rural in a way. Uh, it is where Alan Partridge is from, so an iconic bit of the world. Um, is that this was about two years ago now? Uh, oh, this, this guy, isn't
0: like happening right now.
1: It's an on. Onru- it's an ongoing story. Okay,
0: okay, okay. So tell, yeah. Uh, so- but uh, about
1: about about two years ago, a guy had a his house, and it's clearly it's it's like a rural. It's a suburb. It's a suburban British house. It looks exactly like a suburban British house, but it has the name over the front door, which is uh, Orlando's.
0: Uh, Wait, 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 the illegal Japanese restaurant is called Orlando's?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, it's called, well, it's, it's, this is where, this is where it already gets quite confusing because it is, it is the guy who runs it is named Orlando Williams. Um, Okay, and the 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 restaurant itself is called Sakura. <laughs> okay, which okay. I don't know if that means something. I assume it's I assume it's a real yeah. Japanese restaurant. Yeah, a sakura.
0: It's it's a type of flower. Yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, it's good, but this guy has permission to run a B and B, which is called Orlando's. But then he has also added onto it a Japanese restaurant, which for the last two years he's been insisting doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: despite <laughs> um, it's just clearly running a restaurant it's extremely
1: hard to like this to is, ex- is, it's really hard to explain because this is precisely what, what it is this it has is a Facebook page. It, invites, it invites people to come to the restaurant it says would you like to come to Orlando's for Christmas Okay. Um, but the man is denying that this restaurant exists despite the fact that it, it clearly exists and he is regularly inviting people to come and eat at this restaurant um people have repeatedly seen him with guests in his, in his <laughs> restaurant uh and then people go and inspect and he says it's not a restaurant um and it seems like he's his the, the loophole he's trying to use um is that he is he is allowing friends to come to enjoy his japanese food in his Room front room that isn't a restaurant, uh-huh. but he has a menu. Um, he serves miso soup for two pounds, he serves uh wine for 14 pounds, he serves sake, he serves rice, he serves pari wow. pari chicken, which I, I don't know if that's supposed to be peri pari. I don't actually know if that's a different thing. Um, I don't know how authentic it is. Um,
0: I can't imagine it's particularly, I can't authentic. imagine
1: hugely, huh? Yeah, uh, he's been investigated repeatedly by like local <laughs> authorities, by the food regulations. He was then um he was then investigated again because it was believed he was continuing to run the restaurant that he said he wasn't running during lockdown oh. um but yeah it's it's very hard to it's very hard to describe because it's you know it's a standard english suburban home but just has the sign of a restaurant above it but the man <laughs> insists that he is not running a restaurant despite the fact that they've also found flyers and leaflets
0: I like it. Police this. officers
1: police officers went the planning officers went uh, and found 24 dining places set out <laughs> with <laughs> tables <seen>
0: 24 people.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he says that it is it is not a restaurant. And what what's more like wild about it is that you know despite having these the menus and the sign uh he goes the the council have said that they won't take action against him because they don't have definitive proof that he's running a restaurant uh, and the guy himself according to the eastern daily press uh responded with uh there is no restaurant there all, <laughs> I do is have my, all i do is have my name on the house um in response to being asked about whether his re- property has been used as a restaurant he added what you are saying to me is wrong uh, but a facebook page for the sakura restaurant shows its location as the property on elam road so it's it is the property, he has a Facebook page, it points to the address of his restaurant. Um then if you ring that number, he confirmed that the restaurant was at that address, but insists there's not a restaurant there <laughs> Which is uh, it's a fascinating story of someone just insisting that the, the insisting that reality is not the way that everyone else says it is and the planning per the, the people who run the planning permission, the city councillors, uh struggle to figure out what they do if someone just says not a restaurant.
0: I mean, can they go and, like, undercover eat at the restaurant? Can they do a sting of Orlando's Japanese restaurant?
1: I mean, I don't think they could do it undercover because it's a planning issue. It's not necessarily a a police issue.
0: Oh, it's not Um, a criminal thing. No. It's a zoning thing.
1: Yeah, essentially. Uh, And they've sort of discovered that they don't know where to go with it. The only thing they could get him on was that they discovered the sign... Uh, violated planning rules. So they got to take down the sign.
0: So now there's no sign that says Orlando's. No, he put it back up. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, in many ways, you know, when we talked a few weeks ago about sovereign citizens, this makes me think that sovereign citizen guys like aren't thinking big enough. Like they're just like, fuck it. I'm going to walk into the woods and die there. This guy's like, no, I'm going to run a Japanese restaurant and then spend all of my time not admitting that it's real because reality is whatever I want it to be. And I think that's, like, much more inspired.
1: It is inspired. It's very inspired.
0: Wait, um, are there reviews for the restaurant? Like, like, are there, is there, like, a star rating on the Facebook page?
1: Um, I actually don't know. I think the Facebook page might actually have gone. Oh, no, still there. Of, of course it is. But also, there is additional weird bits of this, which is that he used to run an actual Japanese restaurant. <laughs> like
0: yeah, he had a normal
1: he had a normal Japanese restaurant on the street and then it closed down for whatever complicated reason it may have closed down uh and now it's now it's now it's open it's got a website it's got a got a phone number it's got uh images of people eating at the restaurant. do they look happy um and they look like they're eating japanese food in a in a in a house <laughs> but yeah it's the ongoing yeah i don't know man i it's it's i find it's just it's extremely hard to explain but no the guy is just saying that he's not not running a restaurant in his house but just keeps reopening a restaurant in his house
0: wow you know in many ways it's a perfect metaphor for what's going on in america right now
1: yeah talking of other people who won't accept reality um donald trump
0: let's talk about donald trump So this week we're try- we're going to start with one very simple question which is when should Donald Trump have been banned from Twitter? So Luke, do you have any sort of vague idea of like when this should have happened?
1: So this is kind of interesting because the, the problem is is the best date I can find is when he was a uh, threatening Kim Jong Un. Okay on twitter because going through the rest of it like you can make the case that you know various things that he's done is uh, offensive and other bits and pieces but twitter kind of i mean this is the, the problem it's like do you accept the the twitter premise that he is a newsworthy person and therefore different rules apply to him than other accounts on the, on, on the internet which I, I i think i do in 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 a way because the other problem is, is if you go back and you say, okay, so when did he go from being a reality star who cared deeply about Rob Patterson not getting back together with Christian Stewart <laughs> and cheat on him again, right? to man with nuclear arsenal? Uh-huh. Like at that date, that, that transition was obviously the 20th of January, 2017. right? Um, should he have been blocked before he was elected? I find it really hard to make that case.
0: All right, well let's 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 first start with what you brought up about the newsworthiness thing cuz I think this is really interesting and my my thoughts on it have evolved quite significantly over over time. So, for those who are, are listening and don't know this, Twitter and I think still Facebook both kind of use this weird loophole to excuse really bad behavior from very important people. And they claim that if something is newsworthy, it can stay up on the platform. They might restrict engagement around it, like blocking retweets or likes or what have you, but it's allowed because it's newsworthy. Here's the thing, like Donald Trump sending out a statement that's like, everyone should ransack the Capitol building. That's newsworthy. Donald Trump using Twitter to say that statement. I mean, I don't really accept that that should be okay. Like newsworthy, like in the same way that like, like Twitter isn't part of the news. And, and I think it's the, it's this weird thing they're doing where they're trying to be both a platform and a publisher at the same time where they want to say like, Oh, if someone uses Twitter to make news, then it's fine. However, they did that. But that's not true of any other medium. Like if I got on the radio and was like, burn down the Capitol building, like, I would be taken off the radio. And I'm not saying that, like, Twitter should be treated like a broadcast medium, like we do in America. But, like, I don't see that as as a fair argument anymore. I think it's actually a cop-out and it's lazy.
1: Okay. So, if we follow that logic down and say, look, the president has many ways to get his message out. He doesn't have a right to do it on Twitter. Uh, he doesn't have any need to do it on Twitter. Are we saying that... No politician should therefore be on Twitter because I I could, I could also make that argument.
0: I mean, if I wanted to be the most radical asshole I possibly could right now, I just be like
1: we should ban everyone from Twitter. That would be the best solution.
0: Honestly, like if I wanted to like the true, like anarchic, like internet kid heart inside of me is screaming no verification allowed on the internet whatsoever. Like, you should not be allowed to know who anyone is on the internet. No verification. Total chaos. Total, un- total, totally unusable. Free for all, and like that just means we don't take it as seriously as we do now because we're in this like half state where a lot of people are using it seriously, right? So just blow it all yeah. up. Go full Joker, baby. I'm the Joker now. <laughs> ah. Um, but I think I think there is something there in the sense of like. Having some verified users and having some unverified users is, is, a, is kind of a mess because it means that, like, a huge chunk of the community are operating in a completely different way than the other and have a whole different set of, like, checks and balances on them. But I think – I don't think any social network has to have any politician on it. Like, like, I actually don't think there's anything crazy about Facebook or Twitter saying, like, no Republicans allowed. Like they're a private institution. Like I don't give a shit. Like, like for my and and we'll get to this later. But my issue is that they're big enough that that matters socially, right? But like I don't think it, there should be anything wrong with Facebook being like, if you're a Republican, like you're not allowed on our website. In the same way that like if Twitter was like, well actually no, this is in, I had no issue with Parler being like, no liberals allowed. Like okay, like fine, you're like a website. Like <laughs> you don't need to I- incorporate all of reality.
1: Okay. The corollary to that, though, is that there is an argument for having politicians there uh, as a purpose of communication. Like, these people are elected officials. It is important they communicate with the people who have elected them. There are other mechanics for them to do that, for sure. But there are instances and areas where, you know, a basic one, um, there's a tornado warning. Like, sure. super immediate, need to be clear about it, need to put it out on as many channels as possible. Uh, if you say, well, no politicians on, on any social media platform, you're cutting, uh, you're cutting uh, part of that
0: out. I think that's a fair argument, and I've seen versions of this. So I, the thing that I would throw back is, like, instead of comparing Twitter or Facebook to a newspaper or a TV station or a radio show, Let's think about them in terms of what they actually are, which is basically just like digital malls, right? In the same way that like you can go to the mall and see a concert in the foyer and like eat at the food court and like buy some stuff and maybe go see a movie.
1: I'm, so- I'm sorry, you see concerts at of- in malls?
0: Oh, that's like an American thing. It was really big in the 80s and 90s, where like a lot of te- like teen idols would perform at malls.
1: Okay, that's explains a lot but sure.
0: Yeah, but like, okay, like think of the Westfield Mall the one out by the 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 olympic stadium when i, I used yeah, to Olympics, go there yeah. when i was homesick for america when i was living in the uk because it felt like i was home in a giant mall <laughs> that to me is what facebook or twitter are right like it's it's a place to do business and it first and foremost so i don't expect if there's like a tornado i don't expect my local like mayor or whatever to run through the mall screaming at me that there's a tornado coming like it's i don't really that's not
1: okay, but that's not the point. That's, it's not about what it's used for. It's about it, are you, we not just restricting a technology in a way that minimizes its utility without, um, with really just a yeah? I think you're just minimizing utility of, techn- uh, utility of a technology.
0: I mean, let, let, let let's let's put it this way: like it's totally unrealistic to say that like politicians shouldn't be allowed on social media. As much as I don't think they should be, and I think it's bad that they are on social media. Like we can't get rid of them, right? We can't like disappear them in the same way that like, I kind of think like all journalists should be removed from social media, but like, you know, here we are. So, okay. In that case, we have to figure out like how this makes sense. And ultimately, okay. Okay. Let's go back to this idea. If Donald Trump walked into a Walmart and started shooting, the Walmart should be allowed to kick him out of that Walmart.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's more of a, I don't know about shooting is the correct...
0: Pulled his penis function.
1: out. More, yeah, he's walking around yelling at people.
0: He, Donald Trump pulls his penis out of his diaper while walking around Walmart and starts shouting obscenities at everybody. And Walmart should be allowed to kick him out, even if he's the president.
1: Yes. Okay. That's that's reasonable.
0: And in fact, like this is happening in the physical space literally as we speak, where like yesterday Donald Trump appeared in Texas, in I think Austin. And Austin, the city of Austin had no idea that Donald Trump was showing up. And it was a massive security risk. And any private business in Austin should be allowed to say, fuck you, you're not allowed in. In the same way that like, Facebook and Twitter should be allowed to say that.
1: Okay, I, I agree with that. But if you are a platform and you are regularly banning the most significant people from your platform, or if you're a publisher and you're refusing to publish the most newsmaking things of the day, you very quickly stop being newsworthy. Like yeah. from a Twitter perspective, they have to basically say, "No, what we'll do is we'll create our business. Maybe there's a moral argument they should do that, but I find it really hard to find figure out which criteria they should have applied over the past, let's say since what 2015, when he started going on this. Um, incidentally, by the way, I think the actual correct answer to this thing about it is probably the birther stuff.:
0: I mean, it's v- I think it's very easy to define the birther stuff as coordinated harassment. Yeah, I would, um, I would agree. So you brought up the the financial thing. Um, (laughs) Jesus. Okay, I just googled this to see. Uh, So you mentioned that like there would be a huge financial drop if these platforms remove the 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 most newsworthy person from their platform. Uh, Business Insider headline as of this morning: Twitter and Facebook have seen a combined fifty-one billion dollar market value drop since they kicked (sighs) Trump off their platforms.
1: Yeah, that's a lot, <laughs>
0: but like, part of me is saying like, well, that's your fault for making a business around him. Like, I, like, sorry, I don't know. I all of these platforms. So, so if we if we slightly change if we slightly change the question we we started with to make my next argument easier, <laughs> <laughs> if we say instead like, okay. What if five years ago, these companies didn't consolidate their networks to basically run as Trump machines like they didn't have to do that. They could have like we've had presidents that aren't the center of all media attention. Like, I mean, it doesn't help that Trump is like, uh, you know, uh, an infinitely captivating lunatic. But like Twitter and Facebook like didn't have to center their entire user experience around Trump. They could have been stricter about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, maybe it's the argument that you they should have automatically um, managed his reach better. Like they should have throttled his reach very early on and made sure that that wasn't he could never have the stuff go as viral as a lot more of his stuff did. Um,
0: Well, here's an idea. What if, what if the minute you become an elected official, you no longer can your your posts can't be shared. They can be transmitted, but they can't be shared.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. If you are, yeah, and the line is elected official, Um, you know, they obviously got a question about exactly when is it when you've been elected, or is it when you've entered office, or or, or whatever it might be. But yeah, that to me would probably be actually quite a good thing. I'm trying to think of like a a good reason of why you think why elected officials shouldn't be treated differently. I guess, I guess, it's the how far up and down it goes.
0: I think. Okay, well so like my hometown is a very small town. It's like two miles by four miles long and we have what's called a board of selectmen, which is basically just like an like a bunch of rich people who like run the town instead of a mayor. Sure. Sure. They're elected. Um they run the town. That counts. Uh I think when you start getting into like, you know, union elections and like light department elections and stuff, that's probably a little crazy. But like if you if you're a municipal leader or higher, I think it is Like, why not just be like, okay, you like you, you now in the same way that like a public official has different rights than a private citizen anyways, like if we're really going to do the whole, like online is the same as offline and these social networks need to encompass the entirety of the physical human experience, then let's go all the way with it and just be like, okay, you're a public official. Like you no longer get to act like a shitlord on Twitter in the same way that like a public official can't, you know, uh, I don't know what public officials can and can't do, but like. (laughs)
1: no <laughs> but there is there is an additional benefit because we do know that all of these places now have mechanics in for it so you know they have the you know candidate for d27 or whatever the the, the way where you manage the, those congressional districts is
0: oh you mean like the drop down the twitter and facebook ad that like identifies yeah. what kind of yeah what kind of politician exactly. there. So they
1: know they know who these people are like i think you would probably pretty quickly end up with kind of the you know team trump accounts doing an awful lot of the stuff for it so that would be a kind of a a pretty easy workaround. But I also can't really see a downside of, of limiting those accounts very specifically. Um, I mean, maybe there's campaigning downsides, so maybe it has to be candidates as well. Uh,
0: well, no, because you know, if, like, no, yeah, if you're a candidate, like, you're incumbent,
1: If you're an incumbent, you can't tweet on social media in any significant way while you're, you're, oppo- you're the candidate opposing you can.
0: Oh, well, I mean, in America, we have the Hatch Act, which Trump did break, um, which is that you can't use the federal apparatus to run your campaign. Um,
1: no, no, that's not, that's not what I mean. What I mean is is if you are – yeah, if you're a candidate and you can't have your things retweeted, but you're up against someone who can have their things retweeted, that person has an advantage.
0: Oh, I actually think that kind of evens it out, right, because you're an incumbent, so you've already – like, I don't know. I – I, I, I these, this isn't a perfect solution, but I think – I think if you really want to make the argument that Twitter and Facebook have to host every politician, then okay, then we need to go all the way with it and treat them differently in the same way that we treat politicians differently in real life. But okay. here's the I know I, I buy that. But 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 here's here's the next thing we got to talk about because to have this whole conversation without addressing the size of these websites, I think, makes the point very confusing. So let's talk about monopolies. <laughs>
1: okay. How okay. Are you pro or anti-monopolies?
0: Uh, dude, I'm I'm super huge into Monopolies. I love them. I want to buy all my product. I wish that the company I worked for could pay me currency that only worked at that company so I could just keep shopping at that company. That's how much I love Monopolies. Yeah. Luke, here's my question for you. How big should a website be allowed to get? How many users? So there is a problem with this
1: because, to me, a website should be allowed to get as big as it can be. Because, and I think this is quite important. Like this is a natural monopoly. You know, it is the service gets better the more people that are on it. Theoretically, Mm -hmm. I understand. Obviously, the reality is it probably isn't just because it's too confusing. But you know, it's like you know, it's like a rail network. If you have four different rail networks in a country, the service is worse because you can get to fewer places. You have to change trains more. It's a mess.
0: Oh, boy. The British guys yawn about trains. Here we go.
1: Hell, yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Like, you know, social network is also a natural monopoly. If you can only talk to one of your friends on one social network, another friend on another social network, and another friend on a different social network, that's annoying. It's yeah, why it everyone is. ends up gravitating gravitating to, like, one main social network. It's different for different people. Like, some people's main one is facebook some to people's main ones twitter some it's tiktok or whatever it might be but you do end up with that like that thing of, of these sites are natural monopolies and i think that's one of the big problems with the idea that you know the tech companies are too big which they are is that the only way to break them up is to make the service worse
0: i mean should we nationalize whatsapp
1: <laughs> i mean people have kicked it around and I, I i do think it's an interesting idea but i also think that it would not be I think you need encrypted services that are not run by the government.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that, especially when it comes to speech. But it is interesting to me that no country, and as as someone who you once described as a sewer socialist, um, I enjoy (laughs) the idea of public competition to private institutions. I think it's uh, healthy. And I think it is fascinating that since the birth of the social media age, so we're basically, we're almost twenty. We're, we're 21 years in, basically, to social media being a thing in the mainstream. Yep. No country has created a nationalized social media platform. And I think that's really you, you, interesting.
1: You clearly haven't heard of the Matt Hancock MP app. So
0: I'm an influencer on Matt Hancock, the platform created by Matt Hancock, who is a uh, health minister.
1: He is the health minister. He's in charge of our pandemic response. It's going great. Don't so
0: know if what was he when he started? His, so, so for Americans, there's a man named Matt. Han- there's a man named Matt Hancock in the UK government, and he created a social media platform a couple years ago called Matt Hancock, and it was immediately <laughs> like destroyed by trolls within a couple hours of you existence. You say trolls? It was
1: journalists. It was journalists. Yeah.
0: Um. But I'm an influencer there, and I sell tummy tea on the Matt Hancock social media app. Um. What was he when he was when he made that app?
1: I want to say education minister. Okay, uh, I, I don't know exactly when it lined up, but he was he was relatively senior in the government.
0: But it is still weird to me that no country, not even a totalitarian regime, has created some. F- I mean, other than China, let's put it that way. But even yeah, China, I was going us- to say, but even China uses private companies. do that Weibo is technically a private company, Baidu is technically a private company.
1: Yeah, but it's 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 Chinese private. I'm aware.
0: I'm just I'm just saying it is interesting that like with all of the conversations about GDPR in the EU. The fact that Estonia has a blockchain-based encrypted citizenship app that allows you to have an e-residency in that country and they still don't have a socialized public version of a Facebook-like platform. And I think that is weird that no one has tried it.
1: So the problem with this, though, immediately becomes, so you're looking for a social network that only runs on one country, which means, great, I can't talk to you on my nationalized... I don't so want. You know, I don't, I don't want to be able to. I
0: don't. I want to be yeah. blocked from you forever. Yes.
1: Yeah, um, but like, yeah, that's also weird. Or
0: like, uh, I mean, you could go further. You could be like, <laughs> no, actually, the the UN should absolutely not run a social network. But <laughs> but the E, and I was going to say the EU could, but then I remember that you're not part of the EU anymore, so that wouldn't help you at all. Um, Hell yeah. But I think it is. It's weird. Like I could see like a friendly country like New Zealand or canada trying it maybe i mean canada's a little rough these days but or even like a funky city like like portland's municipal government starts its own i don't know like it wouldn't be hard
1: okay but then we come back to the other issue which is are the local politicians allowed on the app
0: i mean i think it would work the same way as public access tv which is if they wanted to use it they could use it but there'd be rules and regulations about how in the same way that like the bbc has like airtime requirements and then an entire regulatory body called ofcom that if americans don't know that like really strictly tries to figure out like exactly how public tv is being used i think you could do the same thing with a public social media app i don't know if it'd be very fun but it might be useful
1: yeah and if it's not fun then people don't use it and instead use a private one where everyone's allowed to be chaotic and messy and that's what people actually want to do
0: right but like i mean you know in america at least you already re- you already register to vote wherever you register to vote it wouldn't be very hard to just i don't know i there has to be an alternative to what we have now <laughs> it has to be better i mean
1: this is this is what it comes down to isn't it is, is we don't actually know the solution it is more that you know this this can't be the best way to do this
0: no i mean the the only other crazy idea that i've been kicking around is is moderator requirements for user base sizes.
1: Moderator requirements I quite like. I think that that is the bit that they have kind of evolved around. Like, if you think, I mean, if you think about, I don't know how many uh, uh police you have per person, but it's not a tiny number, but that number is like, dwar- like, it's d- orders of magnitudes more than, for example, you would have in on a social network. And at a certain point, you know, when there is the guy pulling his dick out in Walmart, you actually do need someone to go in there and do that and deal with that. But those numbers are so much lower now that it, the moderation is essentially non-existent. Like one of the bleakest parts of this entire thing has been the same thing as always, which is journalists going, I found this group and Facebook going, thank you for bringing it to us our attention. We've removed it. And it's like, should you do not be doing this?
0: I mean, I know so many really good reporters who, because like that's what a lot of modern journalism is they just do this whack-a-mole shit all day on these platforms and the platforms are like thank you very much for helping us it's gone now and it's like well what the like what is this what are we doing here i'm just like pay me um the also like for for listeners uh i'm from an airline family my parents are both flight attendants and i've been thinking a lot about how commercial aircrafts uh regulated by a lot of different like national bodies have to have an uh a a particular crew size to fit the size of an airplane and the length of the flight. And the crew members have to have a certain amount of breaks can only work for a certain amount of hours. And most of the crews are unionized and trained in safety. Like my mom, if she ever needed to could evacuate a plane. She has once had to resuscitate a pug that briefly died on one of her flights and use like a little, little heart machine to do it. Um, and I don't know why that idea couldn't be applied to social networks. Which is like, okay, you have two hundred thousand users. Well, you need uh, fifty moderators working eight-hour days with X amount of breaks, and they will be unionized.
1: I think I think that would make sense. Um, yeah, moderators is clearly the bit that we're missing. Just having a few people because it's not even that hard. Like, <laughs> no, just, it's so easy to find extremists on every single platform. I was a it's, moderator it's, for
0: a year. It was really easy. Yeah. I walked into the in the morning. There was a feed that had a hundred posts in it, and I would look through them and I would clear it. And I would probably clear about six hundred comments a day. It wasn't particularly challenging. I took breaks, and I had a good team and felt very supported. And it was a fine job. Um, I wasn't looking at like the worst shit in the world, but you know, and I was able to build community and interact with people in the same way that like you get to know your local librarian. Like I think it yeah, works the same deal. Is,
1: I mean, this is a big part of it, isn't it? It's that you're not actually what well, the job of a moderator is not to find people to ban. It is to attempt to make it a community where people actually work together and talk and have a nice time and not uh, are just constantly at war with each other.
0: No, like I don't know why we don't know who the moderators on Facebook are like it should yeah. be it shouldn't be a job that like people are doing in some weird car park in Florida like in between like huffing meth in the bathroom for like zero hour contracts it should be like a job where like you're well respected and people like know who you are and you're accountable and like stuff is logged and transparent and like you should be like kind of proud that you're like helping the world work a little better like it should be a it should be a good job with like a nice feel to it in the same way that like the garbage man should be considered yeah. <laughs> like a good member of society because, like, they're keeping the streets clean and pe- and keeping things like orderly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, which then brings us back to the original point of, of of there was no point in which Trump should have been banned because these networks shouldn't have existed in the first place in the form that they did. In the
0: form that they did. I mean, if you had if you had keyed in moderators, I think you probably could have found a moment uh, where he had done something. Or, I mean you can even the birth
1: stuff i think i think that is the moment uh, and and looking back on it that feels uh, as i you know kind of sitting through this i don't think there was a moment in the presidency like i think once you'd accepted that he was a newsworthy enough figure i don't see how you can i don't see really what the what the moment was during the presidency before before the incitement to to, ins- to insurrect it's Incitement to insurrection
0: yeah i mean i don't know
1: i mean there's also just like I mean, I think this is close to what you were saying in the email today, which was that the thing you have to do is catch these things early. And to do that, you need moderators, you need an infrastructure to do it. But it's it's absolutely true. Had Trump been banned in 2013, it would have been a mildly amusing thing of like, remember that reality TV show, show host who was super wacky? Like he wouldn't have run for president.
0: No, I don't think he would have um or if he had i think it would have been way more of a punchline um
1: I yeah mean, he wouldn't have it wouldn't have been the same thing of like his constant communication and people and jonas is looking at being like we can always get a segment out of this
0: right well i mean there's also the entire shadow economy of people who are just using his twitter account replies to like advertise stuff <laughs> did you see the um yeah. the reddit post from our entrepreneurs
1: yeah, someone being like, "Yeah, I had a massive account of like a hundred thousand users, and I sold stuff, and now I, I can't."
0: Yeah, like a Trump reply guy who made his entire living off of just like replying to Trump, and like that shouldn't have been allowed to get that. Like, if he was being properly moderated, if his tweets were being looked at and like re- removed when they were too crazy or too hateful or whatever it was, I don't think his account would have even been that large. I don't think it would have been able to get that big.
1: No, exactly, because he also—I mean—he was so insanely petty that what he would have just ended up in a constant fight with Twitter until he got banned. Yeah. Like, as it was, he kind of, Twitter never really fought him, so he never had any problem with it.
0: No, I mean, well, because they loved him. Because, like, Twitter has this, has this like, really toxic relationship with, like... Its own kind- users? Well, no, just, like, this kind of person who, like sucks major ass <laughs> that's, that's like the, that's like the best way i can describe it it's just like there are people who just suck major ass and that just fits really well on twitter and it just it's yeah
1: um but do you, know, do you have a different moment do you think there's a different moment during his presidency when he should have been kicked off
0: no because he constantly skirts the line like he like like even when he was threatening civil war a couple of years ago he wasn't really threatening civil war you know
1: um yeah he's he's very proud of the, the pleased with himself when he's like oh, i was joking and it's like i mean <laughs> yeah <the> president
0: <laughs> i think i think there's another way of looking at this actually which is really interesting and it's the twitch model which i'm a huge fan of so if people listening aren't familiar
1: the president instantly has been banned from twitch
0: oh uh, well uh, I, don't know, the things he's I don't know i don't know where he's gonna debut his next Fortnite skin so
1: that's that's pretty embarrassing
0: um, I, think
1: the only, I think the only social network he's still allowed on is uh only fans
0: I have seen some photoshops of uh, Trump using vampire freaks, uh, which was like the <laughs> mid-2000s social network for vampires. Um,
1: He'd even a great something awful poster.
0: Oh, oh I think you No, dude. He would have been removed from something awful after one post. Like, he would have been disappeared after one post. Um, but the, So the Twitch model is a really interesting way of moderating, and I think it's like a totally different way of thinking about it that would have removed Trump almost immediately if, if Twitter operated this way, which is that on Twitch the streamer is responsible for the behavior of their chat so like if if you're a streamer and your members of your chat are attacking people or saying slurs or being like hateful or organizing harassment campaigns and you don't deal with it you can lose your own channel
1: okay i mean that's right so it's 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 you are either moderating yourself or hiring someone to moderate your own chat or have a friend doing it or whatever whatever
0: it yeah uh, so twitch goes further they added in like a ton of really cool options so you like um in my chat in my twitch server we have like blocks on how fast you can comment you know if uh, any link that you post has to be vetted before it appears in the chat like certain words are blocked like you know hate speech and slurs and stuff there's like a ton of really easy yeah. features that have been built in Twitter doesn't operate the exact same way because it's it's like a free for all where everyone is technically the same level of user. But I don't think it's that crazy to be like, hey, we've identified uh, a million users that are all committing like hugely racist, abusive campaigns and they all follow you. And, and in the same way they take down like ISIS networks, like it shouldn't be hard to be like, Hey, we know, cause they know like that all those people are Trump supporters. Like it's not,
1: it's not yeah. crazy. And
0: they, they, they nuked 70,000 QAnon accounts since Friday. So, and like, it's totally easy to just be like, yeah, Trump supporters are harassing everybody and making this place toxic. Like you got to go.
1: Okay. So, so Oh, yeah, I not quite don't quite know how it would work on Twitter just because everything is it like the mechanics are different but if it what so the idea is you're responsible for your own replies so if people keep harassing i guess other people in your replies or keep being toxic in your replies you just have to block them
0: Yeah or well, like okay so so I had this out the other day where I realized that a Twitter thread is actually just a message board thread it's the same idea right like if you tweet you're the original poster and then whatever comes beneath that tweet are replies which work exactly like a message board so If Trump's replies are just like full of racist, insane garbage all the time, I think there should be a a way for Twitter to be like, hey, you are constantly inciting racist harassment and abuse on our platform. And we can totally tell that that's what's happening here because we're not stupid uh, and we're going to remove you. And I think that like they should be allowed to say that is like we know that your followers are attacking people and being super crazy racist all the time and like are planning real life violence like you got to go.
1: It's, I mean, that's one way to do it. I, I think that could work, but I would rather put the onus of moderating a website on the companies, the enormous, wealthy Silicon Valley
0: companies. I agree. I think I agree, too. Um, but Trump is a tricky one. He's like a slippery little asshole because he never really says what he means. So,
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and it must be said, a truly great poster. An excellent so many poster. Has, so, I mean, the man posted his way to the presidency. Like... We got to be real about this. Like he was so good at Twitter that he became the most powerful man in the world. Like that is something.
0: Yeah, I don't want to give him a lot of credit, but he he gets credit for that, yeah. He uh yeah. he's just a good poster, yeah.
1: And he was right. Christian Stewart, Stewart did, Robert Pattinson did need to start over Christian Stewart. So
0: What is the actual Christian Stewart Robert Pattinson Trump tweet? Hold on. Oh, there's like seven of them. Okay. Okay, I got them all. I got them all. Okay. Okay, so this is in 2012. Uh, <laughs> Robert Pattinson should not take Kristen Stewart uh, Cri- Robert Pattinson should not take back Kristen Stewart she cheated on him like a dog and will do it again just watch he can do much better
1: I love his obsession with dogs he everything is like a dog and I don't <laughs> fully I, I don't think he knows what dogs
0: are wait there's three more of these So L- lots of response to <laughs> lots of response to my Pattinson Kristen Stewart reunion Will she cheat again? A hundred certain. Am I ever wrong? Then he he tweets, Everyone knows I'm right, that Robert Pattinson should dump Kristen Stewart. In a couple of years, he will thank me. Be smart, Robert. And then finally, Robert Pattinson is putting on a good face for the release of Twilight. He took my advice on Kristen Stewart, I hope. (laughs) And then Robert Pattinson finally addressed it in 2017. And he said to Entertainment Weekly, I think there's so many different levels of it. Your identity exists on many different planes at the same time, and they can all be quite different from each other. When he said that, it didn't really mean anything. But I guess now I'm sort of thinking like, well, I guess that is related to me, but how does that fit in with all the other things that are going on in my life? And sometimes you think, can I use this in my acting, or should I be putting it away? It's kind of interesting, I guess. I don't know. This could be why people get annoyed with me.
1: Yeah, his... Oh, God, Trump... Yeah, I mean... Can I I mention my my favorite Trump tweet? I mean, this
0: is as close to a a goodbye to Trump's Twitter account as we're going to get on this show. So yeah, go for it.
1: Uh, I think it is the one from 2013. Uh, I would like to extend my best wishes to all, even the haters and losers, on this special date, September the 11th.
0: Yeah, that is really good. It's just, uh,
1: it's so good. All of these tweets are so good.
0: I don't know if it's a good tweet, but... It's like burned into my brain and I can't ever really forget it properly, which is the Barney Frank nipples tweet. <laughs>
1: nipples protruding.
0: Hold on, I'll get it. Um, it's it's awful. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's synced up with also an amazingly somewhat awful image.
0: Uh, you know, because I, you know, Barney Frank, you know, he was, oh, right. Okay. Uh, so he tweeted on 2000 uh, on December 21st, 2011. Barney Frank looked disgusting, nipples protruding in his blue shirt before Congress. Very, very disrespectful. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah. what
1: what's, what's that? Seven years later, man, it's it such a riot, such an insurrection in Congress, yeah. which I would argue is also disrespectful to Congress.
0: I would argue. I would. I would go so far as to say I would have rather seen Donald Trump's nipples protruding than. him inciting a siege on our capital so you know agree so we're gonna do hopefully one more of these kind of like following the news episodes next week uh hopefully that will be the end of this cycle hopefully we will then leave
1: content hell
0: yeah hopefully we'll be Pulled out of content hell. Cause I also have like a crazy story about uh, a Chinese live stream company that I've been dying to talk about on this show. So I have like other things I want to talk about, but obviously <laughs> it's a little hard to do that right now. So next week we will be talking about the inauguration and um, we will be keeping you updated with everything that happens. We will either be recording this show on Wednesday of next week or doing it on Thursday, depending on what happens. So we will hopefully be concluding this content hell mini series next week. Uh, if we aren't, we have much bigger issues to be talking about. <laughs> as,
1: as Donald Trump is released from the presidency, so shall we all be released from our content hell.
0: That's right. We'll finally be free. Have you consumed any content this week to stay
1: sane? Um, uh, Can I talk about football again?
0: I understand that it's important to you, so sure.
1: Uh, So at the weekend, Tottenham had to play Marine AFC, who are a team in the eighth tier of British football uh, Uh in the FA Cup, which means that they play on a a small patch of grass that is next door to some houses, Uh uh, by which I mean they have the air, the walls around the, the houses numbered so that when the ball goes into them, they know which house they have to run around to and get the ball oh. back from.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: which, yeah, means you end up with uh, Gareth Bale, who has won, I think, four European Cups, uh, playing a part-time plumber, uh, who is yeah, awesome. taking a break from his uh, plumbing apprenticeship to play against Tottenham um, in the <laughs> FA Cup. <laughs> uh Tottenham won, Marine lost, unsurprisingly, but uh, it is an extremely fun, is always very fun when it does actually happen. And you have two teams that are just wildly, wildly uh, separate.
0: No uh, matter how much I learn about football, it still has all kinds of confusing surprises in store for me. It is a
1: confusing and pointless
0: <laughs> sport <laughs> actually yesterday uh here in sao paulo uh several thousand soccer fans uh marched on the street with green flares and shot off fireworks and just did not give a shit about covid whatsoever uh it was insanity i haven't read what game it was but it seemed like a big one people were very excited
1: D- they do get very excited it's not always a big game that's the best part of it sometimes it's just it's just you know it's just a tuesday
0: Football, people seem to like it, (laughs) (laughs) especially in South America. Who would have thought?
1: (laughs) All right, so what uh content have you consumed this in? I watched that French
0: Netflix show Lupin that everyone's talking about.
1: Oh, I have not heard of this.
0: So it's like actually become so it's kind of becoming like the big uh international Netflix hit. It's really really good. It's a modern retelling of uh Arsene Lupin, the like gentleman burglar books kind of like the sherlock holmes of france okay and the lead actor omar Sy is like incredible it's it's a really interesting update on the lupin series um it is like super addictive uh i highly recommend it it's kind of like a french version of sherlock it's 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 a it's a very similar vibe where it's like classic but also updated and and kind of meta it's good Uh, it's it's on netflix everywhere um i think it's like the most watched show on netflix right now
1: okay okay that's that's interesting so is it worth watching
0: yeah yeah no it's i mean it's it's good and i think it's going to be like it's going to be like the next like money heist you know like one of those netflix shows that's just like gigantic everywhere outside of english-speaking countries
1: well it's one of those things that like money heist will be shown to me Daily for the next year despite my never having interacted with it
0: i so i tried to watch money heist and i got pretty far <laughs> into the first season until there's this scene it's like a spanish show so like it's kind of corny and then it gets to the scene where like two of the female characters like drink tequila together and make out for a while and it goes on for like minutes like minutes oh. of this and i was like What does this have to do with anything? It's about robbing a bank. But it's like one of the most popular shows in the world. So there you go. I guess that's what people, that's what the people want.
1: I have, uh, I have actually been watching the Americans during this pandemic, uh, which is, you know, a good show that is just incredibly horny for all of its female characters in a way that's like, oh, I'm pretty sure they did other things with spying that wasn't having sex with people. I'm sure there were other bits of spying.
0: So I have not seen the Americans, but I've heard that like the horniness is earned. I mean, it's
1: more earned than in most other shows, but equally it's like... It's like... I just think that these spies must have had other plans. They must have had other ideas and other ways to do spying that weren't, I will have sex with this person and then they will tell me stuff. Because it just doesn't seem sustainable.
0: I have, I heard once, and I don't know how true this is, but I heard once that the best spies are actually just like incredibly unassuming middle-aged men or or even better, like very boring looking middle-aged women because like nobody bats an eye about them being in any particular place or pays any attention to them.
1: Yeah, you just want a dude in a suit who goes to places, talks to people and is nothing.
0: Yeah, like a nothing like, man. If, yes, like, exactly. I
1: think, I think I think, if you are, you know, a senior official, in the, I was going to say this, you're a senior official in the government and you're like a 50-year-old man who is not particularly attractive and suddenly a hot 21-year-old is really interested in having sex with you in your office for some reason, you should be like, this is suspicious. None of these people ever are, and I'm also talking about this as though this is not. You know, we've seen the government now, like the U.S. government. Um, this this would work
0: repeatedly. It, it would work. I mean, uh, a friend of mine is very into uh, John Le Carre books and was like reading yeah. a, his biography now that he died a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and according to him, uh, according to John Le Carre, I guess um, most spycraft in the Cold War era just was giving prostitutes to German politicians. That was that was the entirety of the spycraft. Yeah, practical, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's that that is all of the intelligence gathering being done uh, at the peak of worldwide apocalyptic nuclear destruction. Was just giving old German men prostitutes in the UK. <laughs> that's that's what they were doing. So good to know. Um, yeah, why not? All right, we will see you all next week, and hopefully, we will have a new president and a functioning government. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's,
1: it's been it's been turning eighty years. I don't see why you just should start now.
0: <laughs> I just uh, hope hope we'll be all right. Um, <laughs> all right, see you guys next week. Right, yeah.